0: Welcome to the VolleyPod where we're all about coaching kids volleyball. With drills, skills, and scenarios, we keep things fast, fun, and effective. Presented by the Art of Coaching Volleyball, the VolleyPod is your new source for coaching information. good morning and welcome to the volley pod how are you today todd
1: doing well davis good to see you what's been happening was to let you back in school
0: back in school doing well lost my voice watched a bunch of volleyball games this week so you,
1: you lost your voice watching
0: volleyball <laughs> you <laughs> are the volley nerd i'm a true volley nerd i didn't have much of a voice to begin with though okay staying up late you know charlie bird and all that good stuff but I'm thrilled to be here, talk some volley with you in the Volley Cave. All right. And so everyone, welcome to The Volley Pod, presented by The Art of Coaching Volleyball. Today, we are gonna be talking about blocking 2.0.
1: Blocking 2.0, that's your skill. That's, I, I'll tell you, we just had a tournament this weekend and uh, I need to take some notes here. Well, <laughs>
0: <laughs> well you know, blocking's hard. <laughs>
1: Blocking's hard, and we have uh, we we went into the tournament this weekend with two 13-year-old middle blockers for my high school varsity team. Wow! So you guys are you guys are really doing it? You guys are really doing <laughs> we're, it. You're making out what uh, we're, yeah, we're trying to learn how to teach blocking, and uh, we're we're learning some things as we go. So that's why this is a perfect. Perfect skill topic today.
0: Oh, cool. Well, so I I hope people will get something I'm going to take from the book of Todd and do 10 tips. All right. So we're going to start off with, uh, don't double block everything. Okay. So one of the thoughts that we have is that you should definitely be double blocking people that can score or blocking people that could score. And you don't always need to block people that can't score or that can only score, um, or that can't score against a single block. So don't double block everything. I see people trying to block, double block everything. And I think it's a mistake because they end up blocking nothing really. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a, a good place to start. I like it. So prioritize those hitters, get in front of the ones you can and, or that, you know, the ball is going to be set to and take it away. You can also switch that though. And we've done this where we, we were playing Lexi's son, you know, yep. the, uh, awesome, you know, player from Nebraska, and we could just not stop her. Yep. And so instead we let her score and tried to stop everyone else. Okay, And so whenever they said anyone else, we would try to score. So you can all also right. flip that philosophy. Um, do double block the outside and make sure it's a solid double block when they're out of system. Okay. So one of the big things is we just don't think teams can score all that regularly from the back row, you know, especially with heat. So. Where does the block need to be? The block needs to be solid on the outside. Okay. So the other thing would be commit on predictor passes. So commit would be, I'm up on the middle, basically committing myself that if she gets set, I'm already basically in the air. And this is only, in my opinion, for the you know high school and lower level teams to be probably used on these predictor passes. You probably don't want to be commit blocking unless it's super duper fast And one of these predictor pass scenarios, which is basically like perfect pass, you know, tight to the net. It looks like the middle is going to get set and they probably will. Yep. So commit. Okay. And you can also half commit where you kind of go in the air or you put your hands up and show, you know, stuff like that. But really just if the pass indicates that they're going to set middle, go ahead and commit because they probably will. Okay. Okay. Pretty simple. So far, so good. Straightforward. It's, yeah. I
1: just, I, I just like the idea of, of having some simple rules where we can help players cuz there's so much stuff going on, you know, I'm telling you we have these young middles and you start thinking about everything they're processing and it's a lot. Oh, absolutely.
0: And so we're kind of playing the odds, giving them some well, guidelines, trying to
1: simplify it and saying, "Wait a minute, you have to do everything. These are our priorities." And right. simplifying the game that for them when it's complex
0: absolutely and so this other one i think falls into that same uh line of thinking and it's long long side short side okay so with the younger setters they are not going to go long side very often and if they do it's less chance of scoring typically
1: i heard a new one i heard uh, did i tell you about jack and jill no. Well, let's hear this. I like it. that's your long side short side. Okay. So a jack is when you're jacking it across the court. Oh, okay. and a Jill is when it's close <laughs> to you. So, okay. so uh call it Jack and Jill. I like that. So we we'd say to the That was Natalie Morgan from up at Harvard Westlake. That's a great one. Yeah. So I she really did a little setting art of coaching thing and she okay. had Jack and Jill, and I like it. Nice, easy way to remember. Yes. And and I think my theory here would be basically take
0: away Jill and make them try to go to Jack. And if they can do that, they're really good.
1: Right. It's hard to locate to Jack.
0: Yep. Absolutely.
1: So that, I think that's a simple thing. And teams do. I'll tell you, there's, there's something else teams like mine. And I think Washington has been a team, uh, dub up there, they're Jill fans. They just say, listen, uh, we're not going to Jack it across court. Right. We want to go with speed, mm-hmm. close to you and we want perfect location. Yep. And we yep. think, hey, if we can get perfect location with a little speed, we let our big arms go to work. That's, yeah, and that, that makes a lot of sense. Oh. So really cool. I like that.
0: Um, the other thing, this would be tip number five, would be don't block the back row. And <laughs> I'm going to put myself on blast here. When, we, when I was playing in junior college, I was a lefty, what I thought to be hammer and I, we played Palomar (laughs) and they didn't block me when I hit out of the back row and they just dug me and, or I would get flustered and didn't have stuff to tool off of. So I mean, it worked against me and if it can work against me, it can work against anyone. No, that's a joke. But I think all too often, like it's a longer distance set, right? I, I mean attack, right? So you have more time to react. And these aren't uh, digs that are necessarily
1: taking tons of reaction time to make when they're ripping out of that row. Yeah, No, I, I am right with you. And we tell our blockers, we try to practice both now. Yeah. And before I was never even practicing it, but we've, we've met a couple arms in the they last few yeah, years sorry. that are just, they're just, they're blowing up our diggers from the right. back row just because they have such a heavy arm, but it, they're few and far between. Right. And I think, I think, I think what you said is
0: awesome. You train both. Right. And if you have, well, and we
1: don't do it. And I had, you know, one of my young middles jumped up on a, on one over the weekend and we said, Hey, we don't block the back row. She's got to get two kills that we can't dig and then we'll start talking about
0: it. I like that. I like that. Um, Don't block the setter. Don't block the setter dump. I think there's way too much emphasis on the setter dump. In fact, I joke with my team all the time. What's, what's the one thing you hear teams call out? It's like setters front row, setters front row. And it's like, I'd rather have them focus on who the primary hitter is. And leave the dump to the back row unless there is again some indications. Right. Right. And so in general, just leave the setter. Like it's gravity dumps most of the time. It's not them throwing the ball down in these reaction digs. All right. So my thing is like let leave the reaction type digs to the block. Okay. Right. And the air type digs that have some air under them to the defense. Okay. Um, next, take advantage of the five-one. I saw this over in a bunch of the games, and that's why I wanted to sort of point this out. When you're in when they're in the five-one, you can play essentially three on two, especially if you don't block the setter. Yep. And uh, you should always have two up on their primary hitter when they're in the five-one because you're essentially playing three on two. Well, and usually that hitter's the outside. It usually is, right? And, and what so what do you think the blocker that is not involved usually is? I'm left front. Absolutely,
1: right? They don't want to. So fall we low. have actual name for that. What is it? Lambo. Lambo. You know what that is? No, I like it. So Lambo, Lambo stars your left as middle blocker with an O at the end. So it's Lam, left as middle blocker with an O at the end. So it's Lambo. We're in Lambo. Hey, you're blocking middle as a left. Yes. And then we're just releasing our middle to the outside. That's a great name. And they'll remember that. So cool. And then the other thing we, we do is, uh, we name the idea of that middle cheating on everything. We call that hedging okay and so did you hedge it was a bad pass we knew it was going outside but you didn't hedge you didn't they were at a disadvantage and we didn't take advantage of it we just played it like it was a perfect pass right so we're telling teaching our middles to hedge when they know where it's going right
0: and the the lambo i don't know where i got this but we called it top hat for the past few years i don't know why but we have a name for it too so we'll will trigger that. And if the setter is a strong attacker or if it's tight, you may want that left to take the dump and the middle, Yep, you know, and I, I think that's something that you can totally do too. Um, next number eight is dive into the angle once in a while. So I think so many young blockers, especially once they start getting physical, they still just go straight up and both their hands are just, you know, parallel lines yep. and, um, diving in basically means you show the angle and at the very last second you jump to your left and let your hands get outside your body line. So you
1: show the, if you're blocking, let's say left side, you show the line and then jump to your left into the middle. Is that right or is that what you're talking about? Well, so
0: I'm talking about just just diving into, well, either one. You can dive into the line or to the angle. Typically with younger players, I like them to dive into the angle because those blocks carry. Into
1: the middle of the court. Yeah. I'm I'm not a big fan of diving to the line.
0: I've seen some pros Although do it.
1: I think that's, it's big at college now. It, they're I'm, getting I, better. Everybody's right? into doing that stuff.
0: Yes. So, but I don't find great results with the younger players yeah, with that. I so, would agree. Um, and then this idea, number nine, independent hands. And we were kind of just touching on it. Can you get one hand into the seam, right? And your other hand on the ball um, in general for some hand positioning. If you can just do that as a 2.0, you're going to be in a pretty good uh, hand position versus the two parallel lines.
1: Yeah. We have uh, when we look at our video, we see a lot of close hands right on top of their head. Yes. yes. And so our hands are uh, in the exact opposite place of where you would like them and where I would like them, which is that, that one arm kind of right over the shoulder yes. on that. Let's say if you're blocking on the right side, that lying shoulder and then working with that left hand to get it a little more in the, in the seam, Yes. of the block. And and if they field goal, you get field goal, you get field goal. But most times hitters are trying to not hit over your shadow of your, of your head.
0: Absolutely. And um, I think a simple training is just hit balls into one hand. I see coaches hit a bunch ball, of balls into both hands, right? right? And just hit left hand, left hand, and literally just have them go up left hand, left hand. Um, same thing can go for the right hand or whatever. And then finally, number 10, the weight and swat. Underappreciated. And here's why I believe it. Not because of the wait and swat. You I love when people wait and swat. It's so fun for me because it doesn't happen that often. (laughs) I just think it's so enjoyable. But it's more about the tips. Like I feel like tips are dropping so short. If you're on it's more about are you on the right timing? Are you at the top of your jump? Right. And if I feel like if you're seeing the right things, this is a new one for me. I've never taught this. I love it and it's more of a beach thing, right? And okay. I used to get swatted all the time. <laughs> and so anyways, that's uh I, I think I saw it where the tips when the tips are dropping very short, it's usually the because the block is you know I'm a big center. lift tip fan. Yes. And so can the block get to the top? And if you're at the top and they're tipping low, you should be able to swat it. Okay. You know, and so that's the that's the thing. So we'll do a couple of, well, they carry and they'll they'll swat it down with their with their hand. And then my final thought, this is actually We're done with all 10. But the final thought is why do I typically block line? I think a lot of people know this, but we typically block a lot of line and we'll get blown up, like you were mentioning, into the angle a little bit before we start taking angle. And it's just because it's a longer dig, more reaction time, the same thing we were talking about before. So I used to be a big angle blocker guy. Oh, really? Because all the swings would go angle, right? I mean, the majority of them do go angle, but the majority of them can be dug
1: yeah i'm i've uh i've always been a big line guy we've been in a 6-2 so much i don't like that ball going to the setter if right. we can we can avoid that and i have a left back uh, i have a libero who's who's a pretty decent player <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, so very good. Yeah. uh but i've tried to give my blockers a little more freedom setting the block just because i think that uh i'm not challenging them they're just they're not really playing volleyball. They're just going, well, I'm just sealing the line. I'm not really right. a blocker. And so can I get them more involved in making a decision on where to set the block? I think that's a, so, yeah, uh, I'm working on that. It's a, uh, every time we get beat down the line, I go back saying, ah, maybe <laughs> I should do what I did before. <laughs> yeah, and,
0: I've, and you know, do you know, John Park? Oh, I know John. Park. John Park yeah. is the guy that made me think about it. And I argued with him for 10 hours. We were driving back from Stanford. He was like, you got a block line. How many, how many times they make that line dig? Yeah. You know? And I was like, nope <laughs> next season we block line. <laughs> want a bunch more games so i'm stubborn but i do listen okay so right. anyways that's the skill a little blocking 2.0 some tips for people to think about
1: i like it those are some system stuff that we yeah. we have we don't get into very often but a bunch of, bunch of nuggets in there absolutely stuff absolutely so what's the scenario for the day scenario for the day well it's coming up on monday i've been doing the prep and i thought it would be okay. uh a nice one for this time of year. And that is running a parent meeting You to okay. run a parent meeting. Yep. So I'm doing mine on Monday and we're actually doing it by Zoom Okay, and then following it up with just a, a little meet and greet before our match on Tuesday. Okay, I'm doing it for uh, our all of our levels. So I'm doing okay. it for varsity JV and our fresh fresh soft team, okay. our freshman team. And so we're doing it one one big happy family okay. and we have a parent meeting going on on Monday night. I have a little PowerPoint I've been putting together nice. and I thought this would be a good time to go through some of the, some of the uh, do's and don'ts. Some of the, some of the things that I'm, I've been thinking about with this meeting to try to get it to, uh, be a valuable, valuable information for parents, but also philosophically get people in line. And I think we yeah. talked about before that, Hey, being a sports parent, it's is, is, is hard. Yeah, It's hard. And can I make that easier for them? How do okay. I do that? And can we have you know form this partnership to have a great season for our team? team. Right. Okay. Perfect kids. So number one, uh, we start with our school mission, okay. school mission and vision. So like immediately the first thing that parents see when they come in is wait a minute, this isn't something we're not talking about chasing championships. We're not talking about what we've done in the past, how our success, none of that. It's hey. What is our school's mission? And our school's Damn. mission, I just have it right here. Uh, we nurture students of intellect and character to think independently, learn collaboratively, grow their sense of self, and act with greater purpose. Okay. So, hey, yeah. great, kind of multifaceted mm-hmm. mission of the school. But my volleyball program, the volleyball program that I am in charge of—that's that, my my job. I am part of that of the school. Right. And Absolutely. so that has to be. Up there. And I think, I think when we talk to parents and reminding them of this greater purpose. And so we start mm-hmm. right off with that. So mission vision to start. And then we get into specifically the volleyball program purpose and goals. And, okay. and the purpose, I'll just read it to you. Our purpose have fun growing together into the best players, the best teammates, and the best people we can become. I like it. So once again, a lot. broad perspective. Right. We have three goals with that. Number one is make our volleyball program the most educational most memorable and most fun experience at bishops nice number two to ensure our seniors have their best season ever which means that we're trying to grow every year hey they had an experience last year that we were trying to make the best year for last year's seniors but now they're seniors we have to be better so we want them to be better and we're trying to get better too so that's on our coaching staff and then our third goal make every contact count Okay. And Very that's cool. contact with the ball, but more importantly, that's contact with each other. Davis. Oh, I love that. So that contact is <laughs> kind cool. of a cool word but, you know. you can apply it in a couple of different ways. That's really, and cool. then we've talked about this, I think probably, uh, ad nauseum. I think people here at every, every pod, we have values in our program and their ETA effort teamness attitude. And we, everything we have is yeah. really based on those three. Right. Well, and I think that
0: the fact that you start with purpose, tie it to values, the school, all that stuff, it's just so critical, right? Like the fact that you keep mentioning, oh, we talk about team values. Oh, you know, we talk about team values. Like it's important. It's the foundation for what you're doing. And the fact that you can just, that you have a little, you know, you, they're just right there makes it yeah. so accessible for the kids. Yeah. I love it. Um, super important.
1: Well, if we think about, you know, problems, if we've had with parents not kind of being on the bus or whatever. And if this is clear in the beginning, at least it allows us to have this foundation. We can go back and they're talking about playing time. We're saying, well, this is the value. This is, you know, we have values and hey, we have their life skills. There's going to be some adversity. There's going to be some disappointment. There's going to be some sacrifice. We know those things because we talked about them on day one. The kids know them and we talked to you about them. So from there, we get into expectations and, and the other stuff that I'm kind of skipping. Uh, we have some contacts and our athletic department, things like that. I'm just skipping over that stuff and we have a three part expectation list. Okay. So the first one is player expectations and this starts with, Hey, it's a graded class. So they have to be on time have to be there every day. They have to communicate with the coach directly. We're not into lawyers like, oh, I told Sammy to tell you that I wasn't going to be there because I'm with a math teacher. No, right. No, (laughs) it's not Sammy's responsibility if she forgets. It's your responsibility. So you need to contact the coach. And, you know, we, like kids text, you know, I take texts from kids. And if, if you know, we're getting together before practice and somebody's not there, the first thing I do is like on my phone, I'm like, oh, you know, Audrey's with their math teacher because she's got a test tomorrow and she's got to be there. And I go, okay, so that's where Audrey is. And I let the team know and we go, hey, that's part of, you know, we have, uh, that's a it's reason. Not, upon that. hey, yeah. that's that's a reason that their academic stuff that they have to take mm-hmm. care of. So yep. anyway, that's first, um, you know, we, we talk about being committed to our ETA philosophy. Okay. We talk about the players, we're going to ask them to make personal sacrifices and they're not going to be the same we might ask somebody to change a position. We might ask somebody to not play a lot. You might ask, I mean, we might ask somebody to lead when they're not comfortable leading. Um, so there's all kinds of things we're going to ask players to do to get them out of their comfort zone and try to grow. And that gets back to, you know, this personal growth. I love it. I love it. Uh, sportsmanship, uh, that's, that's part of what we do. And we're into this thing. We can talk about another time where we're, we're in this thing as far as integrity, calling on touches. Um, that's probably, uh, a, that's probably a, uh, a subject for another pod. I we like can that, get though. into that. Okay. Uh, but I think sportsmanship is in, once again, that, that's not, you know, I don't think everybody should be doing that. I think, you know, we've talked about it and we can get into that another time, but anyway, sportsmanship, uh, you know, we, you know, refs are going to make mistakes. And once again, if, uh, if we don't make mistakes, then I, I think I can uh, look for perfect refing. Okay. But until yeah. my team plays a perfect match, I can't <laughs> look for perfect refing. Yeah. Okay. And then, lastly, uh, we're going to take responsibility for our performance. We're not going to blame refs. We're not going to blame the other team. We're not going to blame um, players who are Ill. were ill. We're just we're going to take responsibility. Hey, we lost. We're going to get better next time. Right. And so, from player expectations, we go to coaches' expectations. So I think this is the big part that I think a lot of programs forget and that parents have to know that, wait a minute, we have expectations as well and they have things they can expect from us, such as we're gonna begin and in practice posted times. We're gonna be organized, knowledgeable and willing to improve. We're gonna model that effort teamness attitude. We're gonna provide a positive learning atmosphere. We're striving for a five to one ratio. Now that's a striving for me, that's tough, but I have a guy like DJ who's at 10 to one. So he can balance me. Uh, We'll communicate with each player regarding her role on the team. That's part of my responsibility. Uh, Encourage player communication. That is, if a player comes to me, I know that's hard. The first thing I'll say is thank you for coming to me. So the door's always open. Um, I have to be a model of good sportsmanship. I'll take responsibility for the team's performance. Hey, We lost yesterday. I said, Hey, we got to get better as coaches. We got to because there are some things we didn't do well. We just didn't prepare you guys. It's not your fault. We didn't do it, but we'll do it and we'll get better. And then this is the last one that I want to read this, which I think you might like. This one is coaches will do their best to manage the conflicting goals of developing all players and competing to win. This will be messy period. Though coaches will never strike the perfect balance, they will be diligent in their pursuit. I love it. I so, love it. I'm stealing. That's a it. new one. I'm stealing it. That's, that's a, a great one
0: because it is. It, it's tough. It's tough to balance all those things. I don't. I think parents need to know
1: that right. coaches are really,
0: really right. trying to yeah. to do the best by these kids. Well,
1: and if hey, if all you're trying to do is win, it's easy. Right. If all you're trying to do is develop players, it's easy. But doing both, you're gonna make it's gonna be messy. You're gonna make some mistakes right? and you have to deal with it. Yeah. And then parent expectations. Uh, parents will support the team, understanding that we're gonna ask their daughter to make sacrifices. Okay. And we're gonna ask your daughter to make sacrifices. They come to me, well, she's not, we're gonna ask her to make sacrifices. That's the right. first thing we told you. Uh, parents are committed to ETA. Parents will encourage their daughter to communicate with the coach. So we don't wanna hear from the parent, right. the players that to talk to me about this. You have to, the, we have to teach the parent, player how to communicate with an adult, send them to me. We'll talk about it. If you're not happy, you can come to me. That's fine. That's a good one. Um, this is one that is m- one of my favorites. We always stop. Parents will refrain from second guessing coaches, comparing players or complaining both in public situations and in conversations with their daughters. Ooh. Now that's a tough one, it is. but we have to tell them, listen, you can second guess me all you want. You can complain all you want. You can do all those things. You just can't do them in front of other families or your daughter, do them in your bedroom behind closed doors. <laughs> but right, once you do them in public, once you do it with your daughter, you are sowing the seeds of discontent and you are hurting us in our season. Because if that's your funny. daughter looks at the coach now and says, oh, my dad thinks the coach doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't think he's doing a good job. And then her effort suffers, then what happens to her? Her effort suffers, I push her on the bench and we get into this cycle that Mm -hmm. is is not healthy. So that's huge. Parents will be models of good sportsmanship. Parents will allow the team to take responsibility for performance, never blaming outside forces uh, refs playing times for undesirable outcomes. I always tell the joke. I said, you know, you go to a club tournament, what happens? You know? Oh yeah. We lost the parents. Well, we lost the first match. We weren't awake yet. Uh, the second one, oh, Oh, we lost. That It was right before lunch. We were hungry. Yeah. Uh, the third one we lost after lunch. We were bloated, you know? And so <laughs> there's always an excuse, right? right? Yeah. No, we lost. If they beat us. We're going to have to go back and get better. Uh, and, uh, lastly, if a problem arises, the player meets with the coach, then the player and the parent, meet with a coach. And then if that doesn't satisfy it, then we can bring in the athletic director.
0: I love it. I'm stealing a bunch of that.
1: Okay. And then we have how parents can help. And we have a bunch of, uh, you know, general stuff about, you know, food, transportation, uh, you know, but the two things I want to put in here are player health, sleep, Mm -hmm. diet, schoolwork, procrastination. Those have been the three that are the, the big ones that parents can assist with that. And then communication regarding health concerns, not really playing time, but health concerns. Hey, you know, my daughter's struggling with this uh, mental health situation and I just want you to be aware of it. I don't want you to talk to her about it, but I want you to be aware of it that she is a tough time for her. Grandmother passed away, whatever those case may be. Uh, but saying that, Hey, we're wide open for that. It's not that we don't want to talk to parents. You know, we don't want that closed door. Like never talk to me, No. Hey, we're trying to have a great experience for your daughter. And, uh, though we're not, we, you know, playing time and those things are things that players have to talk to me about before I'll talk to a parent, uh, for player health. That's not, no, right? right. That's directly from the parent. I love it. And so those are, uh, and then lastly, we talk about parent support and not fanatic support. And that's one of my big things. I'm trying to get parents away from these, this idea of being a fanatic, because I think that brings with it a lot of emotional stuff that is not mm-hmm. really healthy for our team.
0: So good. So that's it? So good. If you can run a strong parent meeting at the, or, you know, program meeting at the beginning, you set yourself up for, for success. Hopefully and, that's the case. Well, and at least you have something to refer back to. And, yep. And so you open up some conversations. I love it. Super, super great. All right. So let's get to these videos about blocking. Perfect. What'd you get? I had 10, you know, tips. So I had to choose three. Okay. And so I there's went a lot with, of good area of blocking stuff on the site. There's absolutely. And there's there's stuff on all 10
1: oh wow! you know what i mean so, <laughs> so like
0: you could have probably found something so you, about were, you were you were down
1: the, rab- the blocking you, rabbit
0: absolutely hole. and that's i love it but um i chose three because i think they were they're pretty relevant and the first is wisconsin and kelly sheffield okay and his independent hands blocking okay i just think that's something that is easy to teach and it actually is pretty they can get it pretty quickly second kathy george from michigan state university and this one's called outsmarting the offensive team with blocking it's kind of just some of the system stuff we talked about about taking away their best hitter okay. um and just a bunch of that in like a 10 minute video and then finally Lori eisler from university of alberta in canada new coach for me
1: i don't know i don't okay. know her either right. but
0: she ma- brings up a great point and this is just sort of a quick hitter just a two minute why do we block
1: ah okay
0: I mean, we kind of think we know but she kind of reframes it and it's really interesting. Cool. So, those are the that's videos. That's a great
1: thing about going on the site. Yeah, so many. You have cool new, a coach I've never I've never even heard of the coach and you get a nugget from that coach. That's very cool. Absolutely. Yes. And um That brings me to
0: sort of the resource we're going to talk about today. The resource
1: is right. We're, We're not going far. We're just going right on the same site, on the AOC site today. And we're going to talk about the idea of the AOC playlist. Okay. And for me, it's been great so far this season because I have my own little teaching playlist. Okay. So what is the playlist? So the playlist allows me when videos come up and there's a little plus there, I can create and name a playlist and then add a group of videos to that playlist. And I could have, I could do it by skill. I could do it by level. I could do it a bunch of different ways. The one I like right now that I have is my varsity teaching playlist. Okay. And it's ones that I can come in. I can show to the varsity players. I can then show it again and remind them, Hey, this is what we're doing. We're trying to get a little bit better with defensive moves. Uh, we're showing some, uh, some, Defensive. It, hey, this is what the best defensive players look like right. when they're digging. This is what right. they don't look like, and we have so I can kind of compare it to some of the things that we're Sounds doing smart. in our video. So the playlist feature allows us to uh, kind of put everything one-stop shopping, uh, organizes some things. Whether you're doing it skill-wise, teaching, my, you know, I did it for starlings in the past. I did a uh, a playlist for starlings coaches teaching passing. Okay, And so we have playlists for that. So we did a a bunch of great ones. So that was
0: it. That That sounds really cool. We hit a bunch of awesome stuff this week. We hit blocking 2.0. We talked about the first parent meeting or program-wide meeting. And as always, you can check out the videos on the Art of Coaching Volleyball's website. And make a playlist. And feel free, make a playlist. Tell us how you use it. And it's totally useful. We both use it all the time. So right on. Thanks a lot, Todd. All right, Davis. Well done. Thank you.